So this is a very special day for all of us and the end of a Pansa or three months retreat season following this tradition from ancient time in India to the present here and now uh, Temple Forest Monastery. So the katina has been offered and now it's up to the sangha to make the robe and offer it to Tanajan Anando later on today or this evening. So it's a, quite a wonderful experience to be able to participate here in uh, this monastery. I've been spending the past six months traveling <clears throat> to the to the west coast uh, to visit Ajahn Viridamo in Tisarna in Ontario and and he took me on a marvelous tour of Newfoundland for about 10-day motoring retreat and then I came here and entered the second Vahasa second Pansa here at, at Temple Forest Monastery. So this is my 56th Pansa and uh, it just seems like my life as a Buddhist monk has passed by very quickly because 56 years to all of us is quite a long time, but in the Sangha, time goes by very quickly because it's really a timeless reality that we're experiencing. So when we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, for many of us who weren't born into Buddhist families or Buddhist countries or societies, uh, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha are foreign words to us. And so we adopt them, we, we put them into our own languages. And, um, but then the reality of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha begins to uh, sink in as we meditate following the uh, excellent wise teachings of the Lord Buddha. And those teachings point to the reality of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, not as just ceremonial uh, foreign words, Pali words, ancient words from India, but also the reality of what Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha really is. So when you practice the teachings of the Lord Buddha to realize the Dhamma, at first, uh, it was just an, a new word that we used 
and translated as, as ultimate reality, absolute reality, <clears throat> which in English are rather abstract words. We take refuge in abstract reality and what do we mean by that? What is absolute reality? And so in the teaching of the Buddha is, is this reflective teaching, investigating the experiences of, that we have as individual human beings in our own experience of life and reflecting on it, putting it into the context of the realities of the changing conditions that we tend to identify with. So the basic delusion is the identity with the physical body because this is this is what we regard as our reality we experience life we experience time through this form through this uh, sensual form that we cling to and identify with but we don't understand it and so in the buddhist teaching it's teaching pointing to not just telling you what you are or a system of beliefs that you adopt if you're a Buddhist, but really uh, practicing what we call meditation or bhavana to realize for yourself. So it's no longer a belief or, or a ceremonial tradition, but the reality of Dhamma here and now. And then the word Buddha <clears throat> is uh, Buddhas, you can make Buddha rupas, Buddha forms, they have forms like uh, the Buddha rupa on the shrine here is a, is a form, a human form, a male form that uh, symbolizes Buddha. But what, when we take refuge in Buddha, do we take refuge in Buddha rupas or some abstract idea of Buddha or the historical Buddha of ancient India or what, what is the reality of Buddha here and now? And that is awareness. Our ability as human individuals to be aware of the present reality and experience that we're having at this very moment. And the experiences that we have through these forms, through the senses, are all about change. So this, uh, the ceremony began and, uh, and now the ceremonial part has ended, the Katina cross has been received. And so that's the end of the ceremony. But the experience of offering the cloth is now a memory. The reality of here and now is like this. And the future is uh, monks will spend the afternoon making a robe to offer to Tanajan Anando, and therefore they, that's what we imagine right now. We imagine that's going to happen. So the future is, a, is imagination. Like for example, when, when I finish speaking and it's time to go, then everybody gets up and leaves and returns to their homes, their residences, <clears throat> but right now that very image of returning to our homes 
is an image we create in the present moment. So we experience imagination. It's like this, imagination is very impermanent. But we, but our, how we see the real world is the real world of imagination and memories. And the enlightenment, the reality of here and now is always uh, investigating with our Bhutto, our Buddha ability to investigate and pay attention to the way it is. And the Buddhist teachings are teachings which are always directional signs. They're not doctrinal positions. So Buddhism, one of the attractive things about Buddhism to a Western mindset is that it, it's not doctrinal. You're not asked to believe in anything. But the forms that we use are conventional forms that have been carried on from ancient India to Thailand to present-day United States. <clears throat> and these traditions hold the, the form of a tradition uh, so that it can be passed on from one generation to the next. There must have been many enlightened masters over the many years uh, human beings have populated this planet, but they leave no teachings behind, no, nothing to carry on the, the teaching, the realization, the enlightened uh, understanding of Dhamma, of reality itself. And uh, in this tradition, in Theravada Buddhism, we have this, this Pali tradition, which has been handed down from the time of the Lord Buddha in India 2,565 years ago to this very present moment. It's a tradition preserves the, it's a form in itself, it's impermanent, and it's not to be grasped as an end in itself, it's merely a convenience, a way of remembering and, and preserving and presenting to one generation after another the, the direct enlightened teachings of the Lord Buddha. Now these teachings, uh, in my own experience, has been uh, when I first ordained I had a lot of interest in Buddhism for many years before that. So when I was 21 years old, I was in the Navy, and I, uh, American Navy, and I uh, encountered Zen Buddhism in Japan, and suddenly that became interesting to me. So it was a beginning of faith, just that kind of initial intellectual interest in Buddhism began at the age of 21. So that, because I was interested, we can call that a beginning of sata or faith or confidence in something because we, when we are interested in something, we pursue it further. So my efforts to develop awareness and meditation were fulfilled when I went to Thailand in 1967, in 1966, in fact, and ordained as a samanera 
and then as a bhikkhu in 1967 uh, and went to live with Lumpur Cha. And Lumpur Cha was, was very much a disciple of the Lord Buddha because his teaching was always direct and to the point. Uh, you know, he was not just a traditional Thai Buddhist monk <clears throat> just performing rituals and and doing ceremonies, but he actually uh, encouraged us in every way to put into practice the teachings of the Lord Buddha. So that kind of encouragement, because one felt that he himself had done the work himself and had realized these Four Noble Truths, which is considered the first sermon of the Buddha after enlightenment, and then speaking from authority, from insight, not from just uh, quoting books from the suttas or words of other teachers, one felt that Ajanta actually had realized the Dhamma. So Buddha then is, is the word we use for this open awareness, uh, the witness to the way it is, because uh, instead of just believing in doctrines and teachings that we get from books or from teachers, we're actually encouraged to find out for ourselves the ultimate reality or the Dhamma. And this is a very uh, wonderful realization to and at this time in the United States, there's so much interest in meditation. And that's a good sign for the society here in the States because uh, 50 years ago, there, there wasn't that much interest in meditation that I knew of. When I was, when I, uh, was young, before I, when I was still in the military, you know, I had I kind of kept it a secret that I was a Buddhist because people wouldn't understand what I was doing. And I remember also at that time I started practicing yoga and I told somebody on the ship I was on that I was practicing yoga and they looked at me as if I was mad or crazy. <laughs> so I, I said, I better not tell anyone I practice yoga and I didn't yet have any clue, any idea of how to meditate. But now yoga is a common word in American English. It, and everywhere you go, there's a yoga center, a yoga group. Uh, it's used for all kinds of uh, reasons, for physical health and for um, mental health and on and on like that. But it's... It's an ancient teaching from, from India that has managed to survive to the present day and is greatly appreciated in a country like the United States, as well as Buddhism in its many forms. The Thai form, as I experienced it in, with Lung Po Cha, was very direct teaching. When I, st when I was interested in Zen Buddhism, uh, 
I found it very interesting and intellectually challenging. But I had no idea of how to put it into practice. Uh, you know, so it was, I, I, it appealed to me because it was challenging conscious awareness. So, you know, they would present things in a way that weren't just reasonable or logical, but challenging our thinking minds in various ways. But I had no basic knowledge of the original teachings uh, of the Buddha. When I went to Thailand, then uh, the Theravada school, very much based on that, on the very basic Pali teachings from the uh, suttas, which we believe are the words of the Buddha. And we might as well assume that they actually are, rather than just believe it, because the actual practice of uh, that the Buddha recommended actually works. It's not just, you know, an, an ancient philosophy that's interesting to modern civilizations such as this one, but it's also a real challenge to our own conditioning, the way we've been told to believe, what we've been told is right and wrong, good and bad, true and false. It, it challenges everything that uh, the, being an American, being a male or female, being, uh, you know, whatever race or nationality, it challenges these identities in a way that, that I've never uh, been aware of in any other form of religion. And so this challenge, when, when I went to live in Thailand, I was the only... Uh, Western monk uh, with Ajahn Chah for about three years. And the challenge was how to, you know, to, I was, I had great trust, great, I had a very good impression right from the beginning of Lung Pa Chah. I liked the monastery, what Long Ba Pong in, in Jangwat Ubon. And uh, so it was a setting that I, you know, personally liked and favored. But the teaching of Lung Po Cha was always based on this, the uh, Arya Satsi, the Four Noble Truths. And I could really relate to this because uh, the first noble truth is about, is a common human experience that we, we can all realize ourselves is suffering. Suffering is, is a first noble truth the Buddha pointed to. So it's not a doctrine, it's not a kind of pessimistic, negative way of looking at life, but it's a, a way to investigate suffering that we personally experience, that we take very personally, a way to understand its causes and the end of suffering. So by taking something so common to all human experience, wherever you may be, whatever position you have in a society, whether you're a man or woman, whatever race or nationality, is, you know, suffering is the common bond we all share with all human beings. <clears throat> and so this is, uh, you know, it can be taken for granted. But instead of taking it for granted or just trying to get rid of it, 
the Buddha challenged us to investigate, to learn from suffering by understanding it, looking inward rather than blaming external causes for our unhappiness, our insecurity, and our suffering. So that investigation is 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 what is in Pali words is called bhavana. Bhavana is is this way of investigating experience to see that experience is about we always experience through the senses here and now the future we don't experience we imagine it the past uh, we don't experience the past we we remember it but the present moment is like this and it's and so the, suddenly we have this sense of being alive being here and now and we instead of distracting ourselves with memories of the past or plans for the future we actually open to and rest in awareness here and now to to realize ultimate reality or realize the dhamma ourselves So this teaching is, uh, you know, to see the development of this monastery. <clears throat> when Ajahn, Jayanto and Ajahn Nanando came here, uh, you know, it was an experiment, just like when I went to, when, when I, when Lung Po Cha sent me off to the village of Bung Wai uh, years ago uh, to start a monastery called Wat Banana Chat. And so, you know, I didn't have any experience of being an Ajahn. I had only eight years, eight punsas. And uh, suddenly here I was in a position in a, in a charnel ground outside the village of Ban Bung Wai. And uh, with, a, with about four or five other Western monks, and um, but I had enough experience. I had enough confidence in the path, in the path of the Buddha, to have. I was very confident in that kind of knowledge. But in terms of personal confidence, I didn't have much. I didn't know. I'd never been in a, such a position uh, like that before, and I. And the uh, I didn't really want to be there. I didn't had no idea, no desire to become a teacher or an abbot of a monastery. But because Lung Po Cha asked me to do that, I I I decided I would do whatever he asked me to do. Then going to England in 1977, going to a non-Buddhist society and to a country you've never lived in before. And um, starting out, and we spent the first two years in London, in a big city, after 10 years in the forests in Northeast Thailand, suddenly you're in this huge international city, and uh, you don't know what's going to happen. But confidence in the in the basic teaching, I've never lost that. 
the confidence in the insight that one gets through investigating the reality of here and now and understanding understanding it you know with wisdom rather than just in belief then that carries you through almost everything in life so in uh, the development of of uh, monasteries in england here and and the monasteries in America and other countries uh, has been quite a, a wonderful uh, realization that how, you know, when, you, when I first realized I was going to live in, in the UK, I had grave doubts whether I could live according to the rules, the Vinaya uh, precepts that were established, which are easy much more easy to keep in a Buddhist country like Thailand. And I thought, how can I live in London without money as an alms mendicant? I don't know any Buddhists in London, and uh, I don't see how I can just keep these strict rules in the way we do in Thailand in a non-Buddhist country. So I went to Ajahn Chah a few days before we left for England and, and uh, told him my doubts. And, and so he said, are there any good people in England? So <laughs> I said, well, I'm sure there are. And he said, well, go. So he, he was saying just the, the human nature itself, this generosity like seeing today, everybody coming from other places, distant places, uh, for this occasion to support uh, the endeavors of the monks here at the Temple Forest Monastery. And, you know, it's the goodness in our humanity that, that urges us to come to events like this and support uh, creating this place, this center for reflection on Dhamma and for developing a sense of personal understanding of, of uh, ultimate reality or really, really taking refuge in the Dhamma. So the monasteries in, in here in the, in the United States, Ajahn Viridamo's monastery in Canada, I've been visiting Ajahn uh, Pasano, Ajahn Yaniko in Abayagiri, and then uh, coming here is my first pansai in the United States. And uh, I thought before I die, I'd like to spend at least one pansai in the United States. So this, this is my keeping my vow. And I promised Ajahn Janto uh, before he came to s establish this monastery, I would come and spend at least one with him here. So just to express my appreciation for the support of the Thai community, Sri Lankan community, uh, Cambodian, Lao communities, and as well as the uh, American, British, and other European communities that have supported uh, us in our endeavors and our practice to let you know it's worthy because the Buddhist teaching is 
points too to realize the end of suffering. Life is not about suffering as some kind of dismal uh, philosophical approach, but it's it points to suffering as a as a first noble truth to be understood. That understand takes us to the end of suffering. So I offer this for today's reflection.